Chapter 17 A Young Man's Difficulties in Coming Out as a Christian The fellows I go with don't believe in this sort of thing. 1. Would it not be better for them if they did? And how do you know but that your example might lead them to do some serious thinking? They are likely in the same condition you are, conscious that they ought to be Christians but holding back for fear of what others will say. What those fellows need is a good healthy jar, something that will show them what cowards they are and the nobility and manliness of following one's convictions. The Bible says that men are like sheep. One peculiarity of sheep is their lack of independence. They are great imitators. If one goes over the wall, the whole flock goes tumbling after him. You may hold their head or heels, but they will go, taking you with them unless you let go. It does not matter whether the leader is rushing into safety or peril. The whole flock follows blindly after him. Young men are much the same. They go in droves. They think and act as their leader does. If he buys a certain style of hat or neckwear, the others do the same. If one goes to college, half a dozen more may follow. Now, considering this peculiarity of human nature, why not take advantage of it? Try to lead your associates in the right direction instead of following them in the wrong direction. Why should not you be the Moses who leads them out of Egypt and into the promised land? Who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this? Esther chapter 4, verse 14. A student at Yale College once went to New Britain, Connecticut, to take the place of the principal in the high school for a short time. His associate teacher told him it was the custom to open the school with scripture reading and prayer. Though he was not a Christian, he felt he must comply with the custom and did so. After a few days, he said to his associate, I feel that I am playing the part of a hypocrite and I hardly know what to do. My class at Yale holds its class prayer meeting tomorrow night and I have half a mind to go down and tell them what a predicament I am in and ask them to pray for me. His assistant urged him to go and offered to open the school for him the next morning. He went, told his story in a manly way, and was converted. As a result, a revival sprang up in which eighty students at Yale were led to Christ. 2. Whether your companions follow your example or not, you cannot afford to follow theirs. The issue is too great. You cannot afford to stifle your convictions and jeopardize your soul because they do. Every man must give an account of himself unto Christ, and their neglect of duty will not justify yours. You need to declare your independence and not be kept from the nobler life and larger liberty of the gospel by a lot of fellows. Strike out for yourself. Let them see that there is one person in that crowd who has the courage of his convictions and is not afraid of what others may say. Do not wander in the wilderness of sin any longer simply because others do. Break loose from them even if you have to do it alone, but perhaps you will not be alone. Tell the fellows in a manly way that you choose to follow Christ and ask them to join you. How do you know but that this is just what they are waiting for? 3. Whether the others follow you or not, they will certainly have more respect for you. A young soldier who had just enlisted found he was the only Christian in his tent. It was not easy to kneel and pray before the others, but he did it. At once they began to laugh and mock him, and at times they threw shoes at him. The young man was troubled and did not know what to do. Finally, 
he went to the regiment chaplain and asked for his advice. The chaplain told him that under the circumstances, he thought it would be justifiable to say his prayers in silence after he had retired. Meeting him a few days later, the chaplain inquired how he was getting on. Well, chaplain, I followed your advice for a night or two, but I felt so bad that I could not do it any longer. So I went back to the old way of kneeling by my bedside, and do you know, chaplain, some of the boys have been converted. Now we have a prayer meeting in the tent every night. Before you decide on this question, take one good look at the fellows and another at Calvary. Ask yourself which has done the most for you and which is most worthy of your love and loyalty. Only one has died for you. Only one can forgive your sins, and only one can satisfy every craving of your heart. That one is Jesus Christ, the only leader in this world whom it is perfectly safe to follow. You can worship Him without idolatry and love Him without disappointment. He it is who has said, He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 8, verse 12. And the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. John chapter 6, verse 37. If you come out boldly for Christ, you will find that whether the fellows follow you or not, you have certainly made it easier for them to do so. I did something once which gave me a bad record. 1. Very likely but remember that all who have ever been saved had made a bad record of some kind. There was Peter. He had good qualities, but he also had certain bad habits which called forth some sharp rebukes from the Master. These doubtless cost Peter many a sleepless night. He was rash and impulsive, always saying the wrong thing. Even after he had been with the Master for three whole years, he was guilty of falsehood and profanity. However, Peter, by the grace of God, overcame his bad record. What is more, he so gained the victory over his besetting sins that his testimony in later life was protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 Peter 1, verse 5 This swearing, lying fisherman was so transformed by Jesus Christ that he became the cornerstone of the Christian church. Then there was Mark the backslider who, not discouraged by his signal failure, made a fresh start and became so steadfast and reliable that the Holy Spirit selected him to write a history of the Master's life. Today, millions of people are prayerfully studying the Gospel of Mark and thanking God for it. Little did he expect such a career when he was trudging home alone after deserting Paul and Barnabas at Pamphylia. But God knows how to use even a backslider to his glory. Paul, too, had a bad record to contend with. He was even a persecutor of the church. He dragged women and children through the streets, and no gentleman would do that. He compelled Christians to kneel and blaspheme the name of Jesus, which they loved so dearly. He was cruel, vindictive, and bigoted. Yet Paul, by the grace of God, became one of the most useful men the world has ever known. David was a murderer and an adulterer, but today the whole Christian church is feeding upon his inspired and inspiring words and thanking God that he ever lived. Yes, a bad record is a bad thing, of course, but it does not need to prevent one from being a Christian. It does not need to keep one out of heaven. Indeed, heaven is full of people who once were liars, thieves, 
murderers, and libertines. 2. Remember that Christ did not come to select a perfect man here and there and thus make up a church. No, he came to seek and to save the lost. He is not looking for righteous men at all, but for sinners. He came expressly to lead such to repentance. His encouragement is that he has borne the penalty of their sins on the cross, and whosoever will may be saved. The strange thing about the gospel is that it reveals God's love for those who have made a bad record and his desire to blot it out and give them a chance to make a new record. Have you ever noticed the great variety of ways in which God describes the putting away of the believer's sins? In Isaiah chapter 38, verse 17, we read, For you have cast all my sins behind your back. But, someone might say, God might turn around and all my sins would be in full sight. Sure enough, and so we read in Micah chapter 7, verse 19, You will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. That is better, but might they wash ashore? Very true, and so God says in Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That is better still, for that means out of God's sight. However, some poor sinner would be sure to say, Yes, my sins are out of God's sight, but not out of his mind. Every time I meet him in heaven, I shall feel he is thinking of the terrible things I did on earth. For the sake of such people, God adds another verse, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. Now, why should you so persistently remember what God so graciously forgets? Why should you keep in the foreground what God is willing to put behind his back? Just throw that bad record in with the rest of your sins and have them all disposed of at once. And then you can have the sweet consciousness that though you may remember your sins, God has entirely forgotten them. Remember also that the longer you wait, the worse your record will be. 3. While your bad record will hinder you somewhat, it will also help you. It will tend to keep you humble, for one thing, which will be no small gain. It will enable you to sympathize with others who have made a bad record and to encourage them to hope for better things. Indeed, your bad record in one sense will become your strongest weapon of warfare. Why is it that John B. Goh and Francis Murphy were able to lead thousands of drinking men to accept Christ where able and eloquent preachers failed? because these two men knew by bitter experience all the shame, misery, and hopelessness of a drunkard's life. They also knew by blessed experience that Jesus Christ has the power to break the drunkard's chains and set the captive free. The very thing that hindered and discouraged them before they knew Christ became their most effective weapon after conversion. While David mourned bitterly his great sin in the murder of Uriah, the 51st Psalm which records his grief and penitence has doubtless led more sinners to repentance than any chapter in the whole Bible. Thus God overrules the sins of men and causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. 4. Consider also that if you have an appalling record, your conversion will be a more incredible triumph of grace than if you were only an ordinary sinner. Jesus Christ claims that he can save the worst of sinners, 
and so change the vilest man or woman on earth by the power of His grace, so that He will actually be proud of them in heaven. He is searching the world for difficult cases to demonstrate His power. If you have a violent temper, a vicious disposition, or a depraved appetite, you are just the kind of a subject that the Master is looking for. He can use you to a far better advantage for some purposes than if you were a nice young man who had been sheltered from temptation all your life. If you will let Him take control of your life and change it by His grace, He can convince hundreds of other sinners that He is just the Savior they need. Here is a great opportunity to serve your day and generation and glorify Christ. That very record of which you are so ashamed is the very thing which will enable you to do it. 4. Could it be that in heaven those who have been the greatest sinners will be the loudest praisers of the Redeemer's name? When the Pharisee criticized Jesus for allowing the outcast woman to weep at his feet, the Master said, Simon, I have something to say to you. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii, and the other fifty. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged correctly. Luke chapter 7, verses 40 through 43. He then drew a contrast between the proud, self righteous host and the sinful, sorrowing woman who was weeping out her penitence and bathing his feet with her tears. Even so, our theme in heaven will not be the good deeds we have wrought on earth, but the matchless grace that redeemed us and the greater the sins from which we had been redeemed, the greater triumph of grace we shall have to proclaim.